Hi, and welcome to the third episode of Slot Leader. I'm your host, Umet Saidov. And in this episode, we'll be focusing on misconceptions that surround digital assets. In episode number two, last week, we had Colin Edwards, who is the um, quantitative strategist at IOHK, talk about digital assets and digital asset markets. And one of the key takeaways there for me was the fact that a lot of people still do not understand the space which paves the way for a lot of misconceptions out there in the mainstream consciousness. As a podcast that is trying to bridge the knowledge gap between the traditional finance and the blockchain finance, it is time for us to address some of the major misconceptions that surround digital assets. So stay tuned and I hope you find this information useful. The blockchain industry last week saw two major news events that are worth mentioning, and both of them involve um, cryptocurrency exchanges. Um, so the first one is the uh, KuCoin, which is a Singapore-based uh, cryptocurrency exchange. It got hacked. Um, it looks like uh, the uh, perpetrators um, broke in and uh, uh, made away with uh, $281 million worth of cryptocurrencies. Um, uh, apparently, they took um, Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, and some ERC-20 tokens. Um, but the latest reports are showing that um, the, the cryptocurrency exchange have recovered, apparently, um, $202 million of these lost um, you know, cryptocurrency uh, digital assets. So that's kind of a good news in that respect, but it still goes to show that the, the centralized exchanges are very vulnerable. So if you are holding your digital assets in, in uh, centralized exchanges, you always risk this kind of uh, eventualities. The second news involves another cryptocurrency exchange called BitMEX. Um, this past week in the United States, CFTC, which is the Commodities Futures and Exchange Commission, um, charged the the uh, cryptocurrency exchange uh, with the uh, the, operating a an unregistered um, trading platform and um, violating anti-money laundering um, laws and regulations. Um, so the uh, th as a result of this um, event, the uh, the market started uh, going down and uh, and and it required it recovered a little bit, but uh, it looks like this uh, this trading platform. Uh, uh, lost uh, around 450, uh, $475 million um, worth of uh, Bitcoin um, during a short period of time when people were trying to probably um, get their um, digital um, assets out of this uh, platform. Uh, we'll be monitoring this um, news as uh, it has some implications about, you know, what uh, kind of actors can can uh, you know exist in this space and what they can or cannot do. It'll be interesting to watch what will happen and what will unfold. One of the interesting and significant events that took place in Cardano's ecosystem is the announcement by Singularity Net to move their token um, onto Cardano. Um, in his interview with uh, Charles Hoskinson. Um, ben Gortzel, uh, who is the founder, I believe, of uh, Singularity Net, um, voiced his concerns about what what's happening with uh, Ethereum. Uh, more more specifically, Ethereum becoming very slow and expensive. Um, and uh, as as an alternative to to that platform, he's considering um, moving, uh, or he's decided already to to move um, uh, part or um, 
all of the tokens into into the Cardano ecosystem. Um, now, I think the mechanics here work in such a way that the market will decide which portion of AGI tokens will live on on Cardano or the uh, or, or Ethereum. But uh, he, I think in, his intention is to make the his platform, um, which is Singularity Net platform, um, interoperable for for different with with different sort of um, um, uh, networks. So um, we'll see how this develops, but it's a great uh, first step. I think it's a great piece of news for the Cardano community as we are embarking a um, a period when we have uh, we will have Gogan around the corner. Um, one of the other things that is worth mentioning is that in his um, recent AMA, um, Charles Hoskinson mentioned that a, you know uh, close to ninety um, uh, teams are thinking about uh, you know joining uh, Cardano, and that's another piece of good news and shows how uh, popular or um, in demand Cardano. And Cardano's infrastructure could be in in the coming um, uh, weeks to months, um, and and that bodes really well for the ecosystem in in, in the long run. Um, and the third thing that happened in um, in the ecosystem um, is uh, the uh, um, the Catalyst project. Um, the projects that have been submitted uh, have been uh, now. Uh, transitioned into a, a second stage which is the review stage um, and uh, they will be in that review stage for about two weeks so uh, we will see how things will go there too um, if you are haven't uh, ch checked out the uh, the uh, the catalyst uh, website um, please do so if you're interested and see what kind of projects you see in the catalyst uh, um, uh, website and, uh, and and support the ones that you believe in The misconception uh, that it's blockchain, not Bitcoin, stems from the fact that um, firms or individuals or the CEOs do not understand how and why blockchain exists in the first place. I mean, if you think about the underlying conditions under which blockchain was created uh, for, um, you will see that it just makes no sense to have a blockchain within a company. Uh, it just you you much faster just uh, having everything in an immutable database um, and uh, have different access points for it for for different individuals. Um, blockchain itself, um, as a system of record keeping, is built for an open environment where everything could be compromised in in a very hostile way. And in that environment, um, you need um, a unit, an economic unit. Um, of value to incentivize uh, the miners in this case uh, to uh, keep the chain running um, and secu secure the chain. It's a classical um, example of uh, the invisible hand. If you've read uh, the Adam Smith, uh, The Wealth of Nations, um, the main sort of idea there is that everybody working for its own for his own benefit. Um, actually creates the wealth for the entire nation. This basically describes a system of incentives in which um, people working for their own interest increase the, the, the total pie, so to say. So it's the same thing in, in Bitcoin, in the sense that miners are only interested in, in getting those 
bitcoins, uh, which uh, have you know uh, economic value, um, and uh, by solving those puzzles, they are securing the network, um, and that's the only way uh, the, the the blockchain works in the proof of work system. Now we have other systems right now, namely proof of stake, where the uh, the economic incentive is there, but you have to have um, you know, coins to participate rather than buying expensive equipment that could become obsolete down the road. So as we iterate through technology, um, the, uh, the role of token changes. Um, in, in the third generation, token um, not only represents something of value that you earn by mining, but it also represents um, something that uh, will give you the right to uh, vote. For instance, in, in Cardano, um, the token is, is a way for um, stakeholders to express their vote on, on certain issues. You know, in, in Catalyst, we see that happening in real time. So uh, token itself becomes a, um, this hybrid instrument um, that has economic value on one side because, you know, it represents it rep it's the only, for now, the only thing that is accepted in Cardano ecosystem as a fuel. Um, you can spend it to uh, move value. And in the future, near future, you will be able to spend it in order to um, fund um, and, and uh, fuel smart contracts. So that's the second um, way of, of, of spending it, or a second way it could serve uh, some sort of value, serve a purpose. Um, and then there's the governance aspect to it, right? So in Cardano, the governments will be on chain sort of, and, uh, and you will be able to vote on issues with, uh, with, uh, a, uh, you know, with your ADA. Um, so that becomes a, a multi-dimensional sort of uh, the, um, issue there. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's no longer uh, blockchain is serving to secure the, 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 the chain and, and Bitcoin is the currency of the chain. And uh, that's the only thing that's being emitted. Um, and there's nothing else uh, that token represents except for being sort of um, a currency. Um, so we are moving in a, in, a, in, a, in a direction where tokens are something completely new. It's, it's a hybrid, as I say, uh, instrument that could represent um, uh, currency, if you think about it that way. It could represent uh, fuel, um, commodity or utility, because it's used within an ecosystem to fuel a smart contract. Um, or it could represent a, a governance uh, um, um, you know, instrument where um, your token uh, could be used to decide the, the direction of a, of a chain. But as the, these platforms um, start eating the real world, um, the value of these tokens, especially if they are um, capped in supply, will grow um, significantly uh, in some cases because um, there's there's a finite supply. You can't just you know print it out of thin air. There's a you know um, supply schedule, and if the demand outstrips it, um, then the price will adjust um, accordingly. So, yeah, one of the ways would be useful ways would be to to think about it as a you know, currency of a nation also, right? 
if you go, okay, US dollar is an exception, of course, it's, it's, it's accepted anywhere you want to, you know, go. But, uh, you know, if you go to a country X, let's say you go to Russia, you know, you, you, you take out your US dollar and you try to pay, they don't know. Now, first of all, they don't know the exchange rate. So it becomes a problem. Second, you know, it's um, mandated by law to pay with rubles. So you pay, you have to exchange your dollars to uh, another currency in order to be able to sort of carry your economic activities in that jurisdiction. So think about blockchains the same way. Um, you know, it's, it's a space, um, it's a place in, in the hyperspace where um, the only accepted token or accepted currency is the token of that, of that blockchain a platform. And if you are in need of using that platform for one way, for one thing or another, um, then you have to do the exchange. Whatever currency you're coming from, you just come in and buy that token. You do your business. Um, and, and, and then if you want to take, take out the, the value out of the system, you exchange it back. Um, and as, as I was saying, as the number of uh, utilities and dApps grows in, uh, in an um, ecosystem like that, um, as it grows in prominence and economic activity, uh, as it eats the world, um, its value will grow. There is also a, um, a question of transaction costs, right? So if you keep the transaction costs um, um, low, right? And if you have a system like in Cardano where you could buy um, vote, change those transaction costs. They, you know, in other words, they are fixed they're not volatile. It's actually very good for, um, for developers if they want to, you know, um, build something, at least on, on ADA level, on, on the level of the native token, they're, they're fixed. Um, it doesn't go up significantly. If let's say ADA goes to, to $10 or $100, there's a way to bring down the transaction costs so that um, there's always an incentive for developers to come in and, and, uh, and build. So that's something that's decided. You need a, a third sort of layer of, of governance to actually make those decisions um, on the chain. So that's why, you know, governance is very important in that respect. The notion that um, cryptocurrencies are not safe because exchanges get hacked is not accurate in the sense that technically, um, when you are buying a cryptocurrency or digital assets and you are holding it on an exchange, um, you are not holding it directly on, on the chain. And the part that gets hacked, I'm most uh, sure uh, is, is the part that is hot on the, on the servers of the exchange. Um, and uh, you know, and it's, it's there um, to, provide liquidity and, you know, um, give, give the, uh, the, uh, um, the users of exchange, uh, immediate liquidity. Um, and the, the fact that they get hacked has to do actually with centralization. It's a honeypot for hackers. Um, and, and the, uh, uh, server client architecture that enables that kind of, uh, exploits. Um, so, um, Cryptocurrencies themselves are hack proof. The only different uh, difficulty is that 
to store them securely, you need to be tech savvy a little bit. Uh, you need to know what the seeds are. You need to know how to operate your cold storage. And things have gotten a lot better than they have been in two or three years ago. Um, but still, there is a lot of um, sort of an experience gap that this whole industry needs to overcome in order to make it as seamless as, let's say, opening your app and, you know, sending uh, money or receiving money or using your credit card for that matter. Um, there's one thing that um, people do not understand is that the architecture that we use right now for, uh, you know, digital dollars, let's say, um, has a lot of costs ba baked into it. You know, when you, when you swipe your card, um, those two or 3% that you pay to Visa and whoever, um, some part of it goes into, you know, insurance companies, uh, you know, to ensure that, you know, the fraud that takes place yearly on these networks is covered. Um, and you indirectly pay for it. Um, by using these networks. Um, now, those kind of things don't exist in, in crypto and they don't need to exist because um, unless, unless you completely give up your private keys, uh, then you, you don't run the risk of getting defrauded or whatnot um, or somebody using your wallet in, in, uh, in nefarious ways. Um, so... Um, they are extremely secure in that regard. But again, you know, uh, it's a different thing than, um, than exchanges being hacked because exchanges are not uh, directly holding, um, you know, uh, you know you, the, you, your funds in, in, a, in a cold wallet that is tamper-proof or whatnot. Even if they are holding it in, the, in a cold wallet, let's say if, if two or three people know the seeds and one of them decides that uh, the, the crime of taking that money and, uh, you know, disappearing, actually, you know, makes him a, a millionaire and he could just go to Belize and uh, spend his, the rest of his life there and, and, and not even have to worry about anything. Maybe those guys will, will think about that, you know? So, um, the, you know, the, 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 those are the uh, subtleties that many people may not necessarily pick up. Um, I mean, from an outsider's point of view, it looks like, you know, I bought a crypto and it got hacked and now I don't have a crypto, Right it looks like cryptos are not safe, right? Because if that, hap if that were to happen in a traditional financing situation, let's say that, you know, I, I took my money, um, it, I, 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 I look at my statement, let's say, um, in May, and I realize that somebody spent a lot of money on my card, um, it's kind of a hack. But the difference is that you just call your bank and they just, write it off because you know they own the chain it's not uh, it is reversible and it's also covered by insurance so um you as a consumer pay for it at the end of the day whereas that isn't the necessarily the case in in, in crypto especially in in centralized exchanges where you don't have the custody or the security of the asset um, um with you um, because it's it's there under somebody else's custody, and you know it's as good as uh, their security practices. Here's the thing: w when it comes to staking um, with third-generation cryptocurrencies like uh, Cardano, um, all that matters is where are your private keys. Um, if they are in a, in a cold wallet, they're safe. And the the, the beauty of the third-generation cryptocurrencies like Cardano is that they allow you to to stake from cold wallets, meaning that 
they, uh, your keys are never exposed to a hot um, environment where, you know, and by hot environment, we mean a computer that's connected to internet that could be potentially compromised. And, and if uh, somebody gets a hold of your seeds, then, you know, uh, the, the seed words, uh, and, and then your, your wallet is basically hacked. Um, so by staking from a cold wallet, you are absolutely guaranteed um, to the tune of uh, two to the power of 256, which is a ginormous number. It's so ginormous that, you know, um, the most powerful computers in the world will spend 10,000 years in order to crack the code. Uh, it's impossible at this point to, to crack a, um, oh, it's impractical, they say, uh, to, to, to just repeat the jargon uh, verbatim. Um, but um, if you are staking um, with a cold wallet in a Daedalus, for instance, which is the wallet in, Cardano, in the Cardano ecosystem, uh, then your funds are safe unless, unless you give your, your cold wallet to somebody and you tell them the pin, you tell them the pin, uh, you, you are completely safe. Um, and that's different than staking on an exchange because um, unless this, the exchange has the same sort of rules and, and puts everything in a cold wallet, um, then uh, you, know, you, you run a risk of uh, your funds being stolen. Um, now, exchanges also have uh, insurance these days, although I believe that insurance is very expensive to obtain. Um, but uh, you know, you you still run a risk of losing your funds because these exchange hacks actually happen all the time, and uh, uh, you can, you know, you can calculate your risk-adjusted returns if you're staking on a on a on an exchange, and uh, my sense is that it would be negative. <laughs> the misconception that the low transaction per second. Um, means that uh, you will never be able to, to use it in, in, in the setting that the current finance infrastructure works. It stems from the fact that um, in order to be able to use the money, um, to use a system as money, you have to be able to produce, um, to, to have the same uh, throughput as Visa, which, which uh, the latest you know, estimates show that, uh, you know, the, the, the Visa network, at least on their website, it shows that they, they the throughput capacity for them is uh, 56,000 transactions per second. Now, <clears throat> when that happens, when people talk about that, they fail to recognize the speed at which the, the digital asset uh, or crypto um, space is, is, is it reinventing itself. Um, there are new protocols. A pr proof of stake, for instance, is a new protocol that allows and does away with the uh, computational complexity that proof of work has in, in, in the case of Bitcoin and Ethereum. And in, in the early simulations and early um, estimates um, basically show that they, this type of protocol is fully capable of, of matching, even exceeding the throughput of Visa at the current form. So when, when they talk about transactions per, per second, um, when, we, when they say that you cannot use it as money because of the fact that you know, there's a limit, um, there might be some truth to that in terms of um, looking at technology backend um, and, and saying that you know, proof of work doesn't produce that much um, uh, you know, transactions per second um, in its basic form. Um, but it, it completely 
ignores the fact that there are other protocols that are fully capable of matching those speeds and, and throughput. There's this misconception that the digital assets do not have intrinsic value. Um, and that stems from the fact that they are not backed by um, cash flows. And I think that's, that's a wrong way of looking at these digital assets because they represent a, a completely new way of, of capturing, generating, um, generating and capturing uh, a value. And if you think about them in terms of their network, you know, the worth of the network and what the network is providing in terms of utility, you will see quickly that um, the digital assets um, have value the way that the medallions, uh, the taxi medallions had value. Um, back in the day, because especially in proof of stake networks, right? Um, proof of stake basically allows you to uh, to participate in the proof of stake tokens, allow you to participate in the network by buying these tokens. Um, so the token is your price of admission. You you come into the network and 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 uh, you can reap the benefits of whatever that token um, represents in terms of economic value. The, so networks themselves produce economic value through their smart contracts, um, through the fact that you could store and transfer value, and um, you know uh, through other uses that 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 could stem from you know from from future uses. So if a uh, a, a network has um, a utility from you know derives its utility from smart contracts, and those smart contracts require this token to be used, then um, this token has actually value in the open market. Um, and and, and uh, the, the value of that token becomes basically its uh, intrinsic value because there is a spot market for that. Um, even though it doesn't have cash flows attached to it, it has an economic value that is easily uh, uh, spotted on, on, on the market. So, you know, it, it has an intrinsic value in that regard, even though it doesn't derive that value directly from cash flows. It's very hard to define digital assets in terms of their classification and whether they behave like equity or debt. Um, and I think the closest thing you can think about um, in terms of their analogy in, in traditional world is, is commodity. Um, even though they might be, you know, in proof of stake, for instance, in Cardano, it could be a commodity backed by some form of cash flows, but still it's a commodity. Uh, if you take oil, for instance, right, you know, um, you, you, can, you can say that oil is valuable because of the fact that it's used in different um, industries to produce something that is in demand. The same thing can go for digital assets. For Cardano ADA, for instance, the token, you can say that, the, you know, it's, it's used as the fuel in this network that houses a bunch of business logic and smart contracts that are used in order to facilitate commerce, in order to facilitate banking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and as that, as, as that fuel, it's valuable uh, because that's the only token that, that is accepted in this, uh, in this universe of networks. And, um, and as the importance of the network grows by eating the world, in a sense, it goes up fast because of the fact that um, in, in, in the case of Cardano, it is, um, it is fixed, the supply is fixed. And when the supply is fixed and the demand goes up, um, the, the price goes up significantly.
in the case of tokens that represent something in real world, like real estate, um, you can say that they definitely derive their value from that real estate, um, as long as it's accepted um, as, as a form of representation of that real estate. And, and those tokens will be backed by cash flows because if you, you know, uh, if, if you rent that real estate and that real estate is bringing cash flows and the token represents your deed, uh, which is completely uh, recognized by courts and everybody else, um, then that token has cash flows. Um, it's attached to cash flows directly. And the same thing can be said about, you know, equities, you know, equities on in and of themselves is just a, a blip on your computer. Um, but they are, uh, you know, your, your ownership, uh, in a, in a company, the, so the, that, that generates cash flow. So it's a kind of works the same way. The way I think about digital assets is, and, and, and how they create value, especially in the proof of stake side, because it, it just gives so much more breadth. And, and material to work with for financial analysts is that they derive their ultimate value from economic activity that takes place in their networks, right? So if, um, let's say, Cardano has, you know, 100 con smart contracts and these smart contracts power real, you know, they, they replace certain logic or certain services in the real world, then they capture that value um, on that smart contract. And that smart contract basically becomes, uh, you know, the, the repository of that value on, on this blockchain in order to have access to that smart contract, you would have to buy, uh, ADA in order to, uh, to, to, you know, to use that contract. So all these smart contracts add to the value of, of token, uh, of this token. And in, with the token being traded in the, in the, in the open market, um, you can, observe that value in real time. There's this misconception that uh, blockchain is not necessary or needed for Western countries because we have already, you know, the infrastructure um, to, to function. Um, and, and that's true. It's a true statement that, you know, that blockchain probably produces the greatest value for countries that don't have the infrastructure that we have, but there's still case to be made for blockchain to exist in, in Western countries because of the fact that it's very cheap to run a blockchain to a degree that it will decimate and completely obliterate the, the, the largest, you know, uh, portion of, of economy. And maybe that's the reason why this misconception is being perpetuated because it, it poses a threat to economies, advanced economies, because uh, what are you going to do with all these people if, if the logic gets transferred to a, a piece of code that, you know, a, a multi-million dollar company used to pr produce? Um, so it's, it's kind of a, an existential dilemma uh, for, for, you know, developed countries. But I think in the, in the long run, they will have to sort of restructure themselves uh, around these um, new technologies. The reason why I mentioned this is that um, it's, it's a disruptive technology. The blockchain is a very disruptive technology in the sense that it's fundamental, uh, in the sense that it could be used across many different sectors. And it, it, it is very cheap in such, in, in, in such a way that it completely, as I was saying, obliterates the need for certain companies or sectors to exist. And that um, is immediate. 
it's not like, you know, blockchain right now is, isn't usable, but 10 years from now, it's going to be a, a problem. Um, usually the technology evolves in such a way that you have very crude, uh, you know, uh, first iteration of, of technology. Uh, you have prototypes and then the prototypes turn into first products and those products are really clunky and expensive. And then the incumbents could basically laugh at them. You, you know, the, the, you know, if you look at uh, history, digital cameras were really expensive in the beginning. The cell phones were really expensive in the beginning. We had pay phones and nobody, you know, I've, I have, I've seen an interview uh, 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 from um, Goldman Sachs, um, the, the head of Goldman Sachs, who said when uh, cell phones came in, I thought that it's, it's just a fad because we have pay phones on every corner. But he was wrong because, you know, cell phones became cheaper and, and, uh, and the incumbents became cell phone companies. But in the beginning, the cell phones were really expensive. But what they do when, when the new technology comes, what, what it does, it, it gives the incumbents the time, 10 years or whatever. And they see that what, what, what the new technology is capable of and, and it, it kind of calculate, they can calculate its trajectory and reorganize themselves. So the AT&Ts of the world in, in the United States who owned a, a vast network of, of pay phones, for instance, they transformed themselves into cell phone companies, right? Now, blockchain doesn't give you that luxury because if you are a company right now, right? And you are producing your economic value by producing some service that, uh, you know, that could be replaced by the blockchain. And if blockchain comes in and replaces it, especially the open blockchain that is no owned by no one, then both the country loses its grip on, on economic activity. Um, you know, the tax taxation dollars could go nowhere. The, you know, the, the economic activity, if it moves into an open blockchain, away from the jurisdiction that it existed in, it becomes a, 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 an existential threat. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and that, be, you know, creates these kind of like uh, uneasy questions for the, for the, for the society. So th the, the way I see the space developing in the future is that open blockchain, because it's open and because it's going to um, develop at a faster pace than, than anything else, because it's just, you know, um, it's been there in the beginning, will we'll produce the most benefit for the developing world that do not have the resources to, to invest in, in, in creating their own blockchains. But countries like the United States will have their own version of the blockchain. The way I see it is that we will have a sort of government sanctioned blockchain or whatnot, <clears throat> where the, the, the companies could exist on top of it and it, it would have to be limited to people who are living here. Um, and in order to have access to it, you have to sort of, you know, uh, you know, ha have legal ways of, of, of accessing this blockchain and uh, new industries, industries will die and new industries will spring up on top. So that's the way I kind of see the whole space developing. Um, and, and, in that case, in that scenario where powerful countries, the Western countries have their own blockchain, they, they talk to each other, you don't necessarily um, have to give up the economic activity to a, uh, uh, an open blockchain, for instance. Um, you probably will still have interoperability, but your country will still run on, an, uh, on an, sort of an, a version of an open blockchain uh, for your citizens that would, uh, you know, 
that would be uh, on, on, a, on a piece of technology that, that is very efficient. So this concludes the episode number three of Slot Leader for this week. I hope you enjoyed the program. And um, if you like the content that we are putting out, uh, please do not forget to subscribe as we will have a lot of interesting um, concepts to be explored in depth in the coming weeks. I will see you next time.